Hey there. Hello. So right before I got on this call, uh-huh. I slammed down a brisket sandwich. Nice. Dude, Kyle made this brisket. It took forever. He had to basically stay up all night <laughs> so Whoa. he could like change the wood chips or whatever. Yeah. That's hardcore. Dude, it was so fucking good. Like he handed it to me and I was like, did you steal this from a barbecue place? This is very good. <laughs> awesome. Uh, what was even better though was after he stayed up all night making this brisket, mm-hmm. he smelled delicious. <laughs> <laughs> I had a delicious smelling husband. And so I coddled really hard because I'm like, well, you smell like brisket. Get over here. <laughs> that's um, That's old school cologne. That's what we had pre-industrial <laughs> era was just meat smell yeah you just go out and cook you know and then come back with whatever that smelled like <laughs> the best part was is the next day i smelled like brisket the nice. transfer happened it's good <laughs> uh awesome brisket's great i love barbecue it's so good well come on over sometime when it's safe and i'll make kyle make another brisket it'll only Sounds take good. 16 hours yeah it didn't seem like a lot of work so <laughs> yeah It's not a big deal. All right. What are we talking about today? All right. Today, we're going to talk about the film Snowpiercer. Neat. Spoiler, I liked this movie. (laughs) (laughs) I figured this might be something you enjoy. Uh, It's kind of like it's a dystopian science fiction film. It's by Bong Mm -hmm. Joon-ho. It was in 2013, right? Yes. Bong Joon-ho is the guy who also did Parasite, right? Yeah, that's right. Let's... uh, Start talking about Snowpiercer because this one, and one of the reasons I recommend it is because it's just got so much class dynamics, you know? Yeah. It's just like, it's a a story of a revolution, but condensed into just this one small place. (laughs) Yeah, it does a really good job of just zooming in on this microcosm society. It's Mm -hmm. pretty cool. Yeah. All right. So we start with the opening crawl. They tell us it's Mm -hmm. 2014. Damn. (laughs) That something has happened. That the climate catastrophe we had a solution for it ready in 2014 wow we we're really prepared sort of sort of yeah sort of because yeah it doesn't work out (laughs) our solution is cw7 an artificial cooling substance applied to the earth's atmosphere seems smart what could go wrong right yeah just just pump it up there it'll be fine get up there i love this shot where they play like the ominous kind of fanfare and they have like the chemtrails going across with the yeah It's like, dun, 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 dun. It's like, like, oh, this isn't going to work. Yep. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, this didn't work right. The world froze. I mean, it worked. It did (laughs) cool. It got cooler. It cooled the atmosphere (laughs) a lot. Uh, All life became extinct. And immediately I'm like, all life, really? I don't know. Like, test-taking strategy, it's usually not all or everything, you know? (laughs) Even one exception. That's true. And then they are like, oh, yeah, there is one exception. There is all but the precious few aboard the rattling ark, is how they put it, which is a cool term. Yeah. So I have questions about this train. All right. Number one, why would they name it the rattling ark? I don't want to get on something that's my only lifeline and it have the adjective rattling. Do they give a name to it later? Like, I know it's Wilfred's cool train, but... Yeah, basically, they're like, it's the Wilford train. No, no, okay, no, the train is called Snowpiercer. It is? Okay. Yeah, okay. So they just, Rattling Ark is just- I think it ends up getting called the Rattling Ark because it's the last thing left, you know? (laughs) Yeah, that sucks. 
they do describe the chaos when they board, though. So people in some way knew or thought that this was a last chance to get out. Yeah, yeah. I, I have a lot of questions about that, too. Like, why a train? Where's their fuel coming from? Like, how did they decide who gets on besides money? Like, they speak different languages on the train, too. So, like, were they trying to get an ethnically diverse population? I got a lot of questions. Well, the train's supposed to be able to always, it's, you know, eternal. Why? How? Well, it's some sort of, you know, technological breakthrough. The engine can go forever. Forever train. I mean, for example, you know, they describe the water creation process, which seems pretty, you know, useful. Mm Mm-hmm. I imagine if you have that, you have some other, you know, some other means of creating energy, too. Yeah. But it's supposed to, you know, obviously it doesn't work forever. And that's a big concept that they keep trying to drive home is everybody's like, it'll always, you know, it's eternal. It's forever. (laughs) When you kind of know that, like, no, it's not. But they're very convinced of it. Yeah, there's no way. Yeah, I think they intentionally leave a lot of the early stuff vague. Yeah, yeah. Just leave it up to your imagination. Yeah. But you've got this train going all around the world all the time. You see the train hurtling by. And then we have, we cut to 2031, just a little ways down the road, 11 years. <laughs> Shit, guys. We'll all be in the tail section together. Uh, we, <laughs> we see the opening scene. The police enter armed to the gills. Yep. And they like do a head count of everybody. Yeah, they start they start counting everyone down. Look to me like even though they're meant to be like, oh, the big bad police with all the armor and all the guns, they look a little like underarmed and underarmored to fit into a modern day peaceful American protest. <laughs> yeah, that's true. This was released in 2013, so they got amped up yeah. like after Ferguson and after Black Lives Matter. They still need to get some like military upgrades and stuff, but <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they haven't they haven't totally taken over their city's budget yet. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, they're doing the head count, and here's where we're introduced to our the, our main hero and our su- first supporting hero, Curtis and Edgar. Curtis, played by Chris Evans, mm-hmm. and Edgar by Jamie Bell. So the cops they do the count, and then they they are drafting a violinist, basically. Oh yeah, yeah. The- Anybody know how to play the violin, right? Taking whatever few useful poor people you know that <laughs> exist. To, to use them for their own means. Yeah, it's horrifying. And this guy says like, oh, I can. And also my wife. And they end up picking the guy and he tries to take his wife with him. It's sad. And they bust her up. Yeah, they do. They do break her face. Just a little police brutality there. They break her face. They crush <laughs> her hand, I thought, too. I think so, yeah. They get everyone else down. There's They haul off Gerald, the violinist. Mm-hmm. And Curtis and Edgar at this point, they, do a little, they have a little conversation. They discuss... Uh, kind of how unfair it is you know that they're coming in mm-hmm. here uh they're steak dinners and the, and listening to string quartets and all that right <laughs> and uh curtis i thought this was interesting he reassures edgar and he says you know it'll be we'll be different when we get there yeah i thought that was interesting i i have a lot of questions like as the movie goes on like what their goals are as <laughs> they start this revolution it's so single-minded and i think that really works for the movie but like, I think as a leftist watching this, I'm like, well, what's your fucking plan? <laughs> yeah, you're already kind of thinking that too, because if Curtis is thinking like, we're going to take over and be better, mm-hmm. like, it seems like he thinks that kind of moral decency is going to help things that like, we're going, you know, so that our revolution doesn't end up descending into corruption. We're just going to be good people. 
And Edgar kind of has a good response, I think. He's like, I want steak. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I would also like food. Because they eat these nasty protein blocks. Uh-huh. Yeah, the pro- the ration, uh, the little bricks of yeah, jello. Yeah, jelly bricks. <laughs> <laughs> they look so gross. They look gross even from the get-go. But yeah, I guess I put here that like Edgar's reply seems to me more materialist. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not here to make sure that everybody's a good person. We're not utopians or something. We're here to make sure that everybody gets the good shit. Like, every, you know, we're going Everyone to... Everyone gets taken care of. Yeah, like the old Marx quote I keep dragging up lately where the uh, realm of freedom begins with the realm of necessity ends, you know? Mm, he's, yeah, he's yeah. thinking, let's move past these shitty protein blocks and let's get everybody steak, you know? Maybe not all the time, but like, we don't want to be drab and oh here we go mm-hmm. we go get our little ration and all in gray suits but at least we're <laughs> equal like we want cool shit you know yeah yeah i think that's that's a good point i have a question about this section of the train and i'm, I'm gonna i feel like the whole time just be like i have questions and we don't know the answer but that's okay <laughs> so th- we spend a lot of time like a lot of the beginning of the movie and in the tail end is what they call it the the last compartment of the train where all the poor people are mm-hmm and it doesn't seem like they do anything. Yeah. So I, I think that from a leftist perspective was confusing to me because I'm like, these people aren't providing their labor. They're just like here. The form of how they're exploited, particularly because of how they're continually mm. drawing people out of the population when they need something. When you go forward and you see, oh, there's a, a chef there preparing food or there's yeah. these people cleaning, these people doing like those were all probably tail sectioners. They keep all of them alive, I guess, which is probably something that would be reduced over time mm-hmm. to capital pretty much tends to try to just keep the the labor force alive enough to, you know, reproduce itself. Yeah, yeah. So that, I, th- I think that's the main function that they serve is just, just breeding people. Yeah. Okay. That, I mean, that makes sense, too, of like what we learn later about like kids and shit. So, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if you ever have a fertility drop, you can just adopt some of them and then... <laughs> Just steal their them. children yeah. and yeah, whatever. I mean, they definitely do that. So they, in fact, the, that's the next scene is that they, well, one, they, they find a freaky letter inside of one of those nasty protein blocks. They find like a little, a capsule with a note in it. Yeah, a red letter. They kind of have to chase down Timmy, the little kid, for it and everything. And they get this red letter in the little capsule in the protein block. And it's got a name. It's some sort of uh, security expert named Nangung Minsu. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they talk about it, and they're like, okay, I guess we're, we're going to have to try to get this guy out or something, break this guy out. Mm, yeah, because he's in the jail section, prison section. That's right. He's been imprisoned. They have a good conversation here, I think. The old man, who we'll later learn, is named Gilliam, mm-hmm. uh, played by John Hurt. He tells Curtis that, you know, oh, you should, you know, start taking a leadership role. Edgar thinks the world of you. And Curtis kind of says, you know, he shouldn't worship me the way he does. And there's kind of a personal cause for this later. Mm-hmm. But I just thought it was like, uh, to me, it was more like he is kind of a good leader in the sense that he doesn't think that people should be like all about him. It's not me, it's us sort of thing. Yeah, I, I like that kind of I, the idea of a reluctant leader, like, fine, I'll fucking do it. But <laughs> it's it's only because it's what other people want. And it's not like a selfish thing. Yeah. And there's the bigger like, we are a class sort of thing. It's not just, it's not all about me. And if I'm gone... You guys all lose, you know? Yeah. That was one thing I think that bothered me later on the movie. Like, not to jump too far ahead, but they end up moving through the train. They start off with this really big group. And it, by the end, it's just like 
two people. And it's just like, I kind of, I liked that big group because it really hit on the class solidarity. So, yeah. But I understand why they had to do that, like, plot wise and film wise. Like, that would be very hard to follow. But I don't know. Huh. That's interesting. It's like, because there is a point at which they trim out to just, the, like you said, just kind of the vanguard party sort of thing. Mm-hmm. They go out and try to do it. And, you know, they'll eventually bring the boon back to the people, I guess. But that would have been kind of cool to see the, the human wave go just through. All go together. Tear up everybody <laughs> along the way, you know. That would have been kind of yeah, neat. Yeah, I mean, because honestly, those are my favorite parts of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, the old man I put on here, he has a good, like, revolutionary, old man revolutionary look. He looks like a kind of Lenin-Trotsky <laughs> hybrid. I thought he looked like Trotsky a lot. His little glasses did. Yeah, yeah. And so they start planning. They're like, okay, we've got to go take the whole train over. We're going to get to the very front, everything in one stroke. And Curtis has this good line. He says, we control the engine. We control the world. Without that, we have nothing. All past revolutions have failed because they couldn't take the engine. Fuck yeah. And he's getting, he's understanding. It's not like, let's get somewhere and get some leverage and then kind of like make things a little bit better. He aims to, you know, he says he's, we're going to kill the people up in the front and take, and take hope, take power like for ourselves. Yeah, so it's it's that whole we're not here to negotiate. Mm-hmm. We're we're going to fucking take over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like I think it's a good commentary that like kind of electoralism in general, it's not enough and neither is just like a popular social movement or or these two together really without actually seizing the engine, seizing the means of production, right? Fuck yeah. Like that's what you have to do to be able to control your own destiny. Yeah. That may make sense. Uh, the old man's kind of like, I don't know. You know, Gilliam's kind of like, uh, it's, it's a lot, but we can try. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, uh, the cops show up then. Yeah, come back and they they start measuring the children. And it's really creepy. This unhinged looking <laughs> lady in yellow shows up. Oh, gosh. She has such a bitch face. And she's liter- like, is it literally measuring them with a tape measure? Yeah, it's so for, gross. Uh, for a and medical then- test? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did not believe that for a second. <laughs> so, like, I I had lots of theories. I mean, eventually find out why they take them. But, like, my first theory was, like, okay, are they going to, like, maybe people can't have kids up front or something for some reason. Or at one point they say something like, oh, Mr. Wilford loves kids. And I was like, okay, is he a pedophile? Yeah, like, I wondered that, too, when she said that. I was like, hmm. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, they end up they end up taking fucking Timmy, who is really cute. He's Octavia Spencer's son, mm-hmm. and he's adorable. Not in real life, but in the movie. They take Timmy and Andy, the little redhead. Kid. Oh, the yeah, yeah. Kind of all hell breaks loose here. They have to fight to try to get Timmy because he's like hiding at first, and there's they mm-hmm. you know, people get beat up and stuff. Uh, it looks like kind of only four people are really resisting. You know the people like. You know, Edgar and Curtis yeah, and, yeah. and the parents. And the parents. So because there's like not that many cops. Yeah, there's really not. But because so many of them are kind of like just kind of moving aside and stuff, they're able to take yeah. off the kids, you know? Yeah. Uh, oh, a shoe is thrown. <laughs> is this a reference to that guy that threw a shoe at George Bush? Uh, I guess it could be. It's, you know, it's after that <laughs> time in history. So, yeah, it could have been. Andrew, we find out is he's named. That's this is Andy's dad. Uh, mm-hmm. Throws a shoe at this at this crazy yellow jacketed woman. Yeah, she bleeds and then licks the blood. Yeah, that was a weird move. <laughs> She's psychotic. She's bizarre. 
Uh, <laughs> and then we get to the punishment. This sucked. This sucked so much. So Tilda Swinton comes in. The worst I've ever seen Tilda Swinton look. <laughs> oh my God. They gave her some nasty fake teeth and it's just, awesome. She looks dude. horrible. Yeah. <laughs> we learn her name is Minister Mason. Yeah. I love her accent though. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's it so easy to hate. <laughs> <laughs> she comes in kind of like full on assistant principal mode and is like this is she even starts this is so disappointing <laughs> oh yeah Holding yeah the shoe and everything i'm not mad i'm disappointed <laughs> uh and so while they're they're lining the guy up for punishment by sticking his arm out of a port in the side of the train yeah till it freezes and then they break it off with a hammer it's disgusting oh my god and meanwhile while they wait the seven minutes or something for his arm to freeze. Mason stands up there and gives a speech. Oh, it's horrible. It's just like everyone belongs in their place and like just all anti-chaos basically and pro-order. And it's just very gross. Very Again, very easy to hate. It's disgusting, right? Because it's... <laughs> it's horrible. It's fascism. It absolutely is. It's, it's class. Cl- there are classes, but they should work together. There are separate groups, but they should all be in harmony as one body. You know, different functions, a hat and a shoe. Sure, one's on top, one's on bottom, but we all serve a function to survive <laughs> in a battle against a hostile world. Otherwise, the outside threat will kill us all. Mm-hmm. It's fascism. That is That is what that is. <laughs> I think in this speech, she mentions the ticket sections for the first time. So we kind of get some more info on like the different parts of the train. Mm-hmm. So apparently some people had first class tickets and then there was like economy or something. And then she refers to the tail end as like freeloaders. So they they just got on. Yeah. And it's very much like, oh, we let you on this train. You should be grateful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And I think that's when we were saying early, like maybe in the chaos of the early days, they just threw people on. You know, this was like the last chance to escape and they force their way on or something yeah yeah no idea but yeah i love this this whole discourse she has on basically you know what equates to the old medieval concept of the great chain of being it reminded me of that a lot very much yeah Yeah, like a divine right yeah everything flows from god or in this case the sacred engine literally says all (laughs) things flow from the sacred engine you know, Jesus. eternal order is prescribed by all things in their place, all passengers in their section, everything in its preordained position. Ugh. <laughs> and <laughs> so you sucks. Yeah, it's just terrible. And you're you're thinking like, easy for you to say, lady. You know, you're up there with your fancy coat. You know. Yeah, yeah. For should real. be in its position because you know you should be in your. Yeah, you're not eating your protein blocks. We don't have to wait for a dystopia to see this sort of things happen. This is so many people who buy into. Uh, meritocracy and everything and saying like you know oh everyone deserves to be in the position they're in or whatever or really just using that as a justification for why they're in the station they're in oh for sure it is a lot of like defensiveness in that yeah i earned it i'm here because Mm -hmm. i'm good and contrastingly (laughs) other people are where they are because they're not they don't have those skills or they don't have the fortitude to like you know buckle down and do the hard work or whatever yeah i don't know i've been thinking a lot about the respect of labor and just like how things like sanitation aren't respected. And it's like, dude, if that was gone tomorrow, like you'd be so fucked, mm-hmm. you know? And I mean, I think there's like 
a couple of different prongs to that. It's like one, all labor should be respected. No. And two, like people should be respected no matter like what their contributions of labor are, yeah. you know, like it shouldn't matter. Yeah. It's like that tweet you've mentioned before where it was like the, about the phrase earning a living. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you shouldn't have to do that. And, and it's such an accepted part of our society is that you, you have to make excuses. <laughs> you have to make up for the fact that you were born. And yeah, I think one of the coolest things about Marxism is that, and just kind of the way Marx has formulated it in his writings is that he's trying to make, he's trying to turn labor from something that people are enslaved to, to something that, uh, to something that people are free to do. Yeah. And like, once we get to that point where we no longer want for things and people are free to work in whatever ways they want to work, but everything's kind of like a hobby, you know, everything's just kind of like something cool to do. Mm -hmm. And I, I think there's, I think people get hung up on that because they're like, well, that's impossible. And you're like, okay, first off, go sit down. <laughs> Secondly, like, there's a place in between that, you know, like, there's ways to transition to that, mm -hmm. like, just like, fucking paying people more and not shitting on them for doing quote, unquote, menial labor, like, there's just there's steps in between. Yeah, yeah. You know? And we're not saying, yeah, let's wake up and do this. You know, we realize that everything's kind of determined by its, you know, historical circumstances and stuff yeah there's got to be like you said transition to get there yeah but anyway uh the guy gets his his arm smashed gilliam shows Nasty. up and or, you know walks forward and kind of surveys the, the gruesomeness of it all this is when we see gilliam is also like missing limbs yeah he's he hobbles up there yeah mason greets him kind of cordially like friendly sort of mm, yeah and you're like what's your deal and maybe she's just according him respect because he is you know, kind of a quasi leader back there. I read it as either this guy used to be important or that it was kind of a mocking respect, like, oh, Mr. Mm. High and Mighty of the Tail section. Yeah. So yeah. I, because I don't know, it, it, I remember at one point he's talking with Chris Evans. I should call him by his character name, but Curtis. whatever. He's Chris Evans. Curtis. <laughs> at one point they're talking and he, he's like my time is over and it, it sounded like he used to be some sort of revolutionary you know yeah so i was wondering if maybe he was like important in the before times uh, just i mean if curtis was like he he had experienced life before the train then obviously this guy had so yeah he yeah yeah had, was there through all of the revolts and everything yeah but yeah gilliam asks to speak to mr wilford while they're literally sweeping this guy's arms like the <laughs> remains of it into a dustpan he Ugh. goes up and asks mason like hey tell mr wilford i need to speak with him kind of weird yeah i thought i don't know i mean when i first watched this i did not know enough obviously mm -hmm. to make a good guess as to why that would happen i, th I think what I thought was like, is this like a desperate ploy? Like maybe we could try talking to him or something like that's not going to work, you know? Initially, I kind of read it as like, maybe he's going to try to negotiate or trying to say like, mm -hmm. hey, people here are pissed. We think it's going too far. You know, things might get yeah. crazy if you don't alleviate things. Yeah, I was kind of wondering that too. If it would be a, a negotiation. Mm-hmm. Which, if he's been around long enough, he's probably seen those other revolts and he, you know, if there's any sort of, they know about him and he's been there a long time, he's a known quantity, there might be this sort of like, hey, I, you know, I can be not your guy on the inside, but like I can be kind of like helping to make sure things. To calm things yeah, down. Yeah, like as long as you're. Yeah, like people listen to him. Yeah, he's a local kind of leader there, I guess. 
But anyway, we'll find out what that may have been. Yeah. Then we've got the plot in motion, right? The barrel's on the move. Mm-hmm. Curtis is buying Kronol, some sort of a drug. And when they're putting this plan together, they have a suspicion that the cops don't have any bullets in their guns. I thought that was really interesting. <laughs> like, they're just like, well, how, there's only one way to find out, and it's a, it's a one-way ticket. <laughs> yeah. They start having that suspicion, Curtis does. They're preparing some sort of a plan. Tanya asked to go along, too. She's, you know, been radicalized now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. She's like, they fucking kidnapped him. Yeah. Yeah, she was, I mean, she was an ally before. She was helping them before, but she really wasn't putting her life on the line yet. Now she's like, I'm doing this too. Yeah. You know, and everybody comes to comes to the movement in different ways. Yeah, I loved the, uh, I think this is when we see the artist guy the first time. Yeah. He was really cool. So they, there's this guy and he has like a weird hat or something. Like a coal miner hat. Oh, okay. That's what it looks like to me <laughs> like, anyway. It's got a okay. light on the front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he he draws like people in the train and but and also like the basically the news yeah. like he's the news the big events that are happening he's yeah illustrating them for the people yeah and he ends up drawing like a picture of timmy for tanya and andy for andrew stuff like that mm-hmm. yeah they'll kind of use that as, as they go forward to try to find them and then their plans get interrupted the cops show up prematurely people decide what are we going to do are we just going to try to hide this stuff that we've been putting into motion or what. And it's like, no, the moment is now. I'm just going to do it. Yeah. It reminds me of, in you know, the, the crazy time between the February revolution and the October revolution. You had the July days and stuff like this happening in, in the Russian revolution. And the Bolsheviks are like w- a lot of times saying like, what the fuck do we do? You know, <laughs> this stuff is just moving is happening. We have to jump on board because it's already going down, you know? Yeah. It, it's like, there's never going to be a good time for this shit. Mm-hmm. Like, it just has to happen. Yeah. Strike while the iron's hot or don't strike at all. Yeah. And so here's... Okay, so the plan is they start yelling. They're like, fuck this protein block bullshit. This stuff sucks. <laughs> uh, the cops take a hostage. And then here we go. The moment of truth. Will we do it or will we not? Gilliam's scared. The rifles may be loaded. Edgar's eager. He says, even if the rifles are loaded, we outnumber them. That's true. And Curtis has to act. He runs up, puts the gun on his forehead. Yeah, he reaches over, he pulls the trigger, basically commits a sort of, risks a revolutionary suicide. Oh. And uh, the cops have no bullets. He survives. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, shit. And just starts fucking beating up these cops. It's great. Hell yeah. They start... Charging forward with this battering ram made of barrels. <laughs> it's very good. They like throw the protein blocks off the cart and put that on the front and just like roll this thing through the doors. <laughs> it's good. And at some point I think people pop out of it. Like it's also like a like a transportation tube sort of thing. I think so, yeah. I was kind of confused on this part. Like, where do they get these barrels and I understood like the plan was because like they have these sliding doors and they have to like get through it quickly before they shut it on them yeah mm-hmm. so that was the barrels i think we're trying we're we're holding the gates open oh because okay. it can't close on them i imagine it was just some old cargo or something that gradually had been used and then was like they were sleeping in that stuff and whatever in the tail section yeah yeah i saw them like they 
a mom like donated a barrel like was a makeshift crib i think Mm -hmm. yeah so they charge forward the people prevail there's a brute at the end uh but they send this cool ass fighter dude gray to come in and like yeah just leaps over him stabs him in the heart and they've won the initial fight yeah that was pretty cool yeah (laughs) they free the hacker guy uh nam gung min su played by kang ho sung and this is the most terrifying prison ever it was just drawers of people like i thought this was a morgue at first (laughs) it's basically a morgue but it's prison yeah it's insane and like the whole like the walls are filled with these drawers like i oh my gosh did they ever specify why this guy was in prison uh they he had chronal addict written on on his uh nameplate there so i don't know if that was his sentence or what like because he was a chronal addict but we see later there's tons of chronal users yeah yeah i don't understand (laughs) maybe he and then why would his daughter be in there too i guess because she was also an addict yeah, I I don't know. Um, we learn here in this scene what chrono is. It's industrial waste. <laughs> Nasty. Highly flammable. And causes hallucinations. So, good stuff. Fun. Delicious. <laughs> a fun time. Chrono, always a fun time. It does have a very pleasing sound, like in it, when it clacks together. Yeah, it's like some dice. I enjoyed yeah. that. <laughs> uh, so, not... I'm going to call him Nam because they call him that throughout the thing. So Yeah. Uh, Nam refuses the deal of... Chron- they basically say, they open the drawer, take him out. They're like, you're going to help us open the doors. We'll pay you a chrono block each time, each door you open. But we're getting to the front and you're helping us. And he's like, no way. They fight. And then he opens up the other drawer with his daughter in it. Mm-hmm. Yona, played by Go Asung. And so they eventually, they talk some more. He's kind of rude the whole time. <laughs> I like him. Yeah, he's cool. But they use these cool, like, translators. They look like little tiny Walkmans, I guess. Yeah. And, like, you just hold it up and talk, and it translates. And it translates swear words, too, which I appreciated. (laughs) Yeah, that's important. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, they both end up going. They'll get two blocks now instead of one. The deal is struck. The plan is on. They march forward. Yeah. Um, I made a note here. They should have taken the prisoners, too. I bet they fucking hate being in those drawers. Yeah. There's a reason that revolutions frequently bust open the prisons when they take power that's you know a lot of anti-state pent-up <laughs> energy there yeah for sure so yeah missed opportunity maybe yeah i think they didn't want to be too controversial mm, possible this is only 2013 <laughs> prison abolition we were not there yet we weren't so they open the next door and they're amazed this is the just the guards quarters it's not that fancy of a car oh, yeah. but it, they're still amazed by it yeah it's like whoa they have beds and it's like jesus guys yeah look at all these beds and the windows too they kind of really oh yeah i don't think most of them had seen out windows before yeah they like hadn't seen the sun in forever or ever yeah for some of them they move on they find the kitchen where they have they meet a guy named paul who they used to know but is weird now or something yeah they couldn't like really get much out of him because he just it's probably just isolation yeah. he seemed to just only be focused on his work Which that sucks dude it se- they made it seem like he just works there and doesn't interact with anybody i think that might be it man damn yeah super sucks and then we also learn what the protein bars are hell yeah so the protein blocks are made out of good nutritious bugs yum curtis and the artist they look very grossed out 
Um, I don't know. I think that we should be a little more open-minded towards using bugs as a protein source. Well, a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people eat bugs. That's a thing. I've had bugs. Have you had bugs? I have not. No. I had these like spiced, like crunchy grasshoppers when I went to like this fancy Mexican bar one time. Mm-hmm. It was very good. Whoa. It's just like salty and crunchy. Dude, that's awesome. I want to try some. Yeah. And I don't know, aren't they like in some ways more sustainable or something than a lot of other protein sources? Yeah. Dude, like half the products on Shark Tank are bug snacks, like various like (laughs) bug protein, bug flour. Like I'm telling you, one season is like, you guys really invest in the bug game. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But they're still grossed out. And he's like, you can't draw this. People can't know. Oh, I thought that was really interesting. He had to, you know, a little a little censorship to protect the revolution. It's all been there. I my first note here was, I mean, one, it's bugs in all caps. Where did you get the bugs? Because they said all life, so that means they like brought bugs on board and are just breeding them. Yeah, I think they definitely have the facilities for it. We see later that they have some wild train cars here, so they probably have a bug. Yeah, bug farm. And it could probably be below one of these things. I mean, you know, they have a, they, if they have a whole ecosystem going, then it makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, we find out here that Paul has been passing along these red letters in the protein blocks. They give them to mm, him. Yeah, yeah. He passes them on. He doesn't read them or know what where they come from he just puts them in the blocks yeah so he we we find the we find the next one here which is which is water oh and this is when they they come up with a water plan like oh if we control the water cart then we can actually control the car yeah or the train <laughs> yes yeah that's we will have the water supply in our control and then we'll be able to use it as leverage basically yeah and i don't know curtis he might be saying that you know he might be thinking like okay that could work but he doesn't seem like he's convinced to like not take over the train yeah no i think he's still yeah he's still that's his single-minded goal and given what we learn later i think it's interesting that old man's like no we can just do the water (laughs) so yeah 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 so they open the next gate yona warns them before they do and says don't open the gate yeah, I she is prophetic, I guess. I Yeah, the, it seems to be because of the chronal, like she she maybe the hallucinations are now like prophecy. Yeah, they're kind of yeah, clairvoyant sort of is what is what they talk about at some point. And here we find a very bizarre scene with a bunch of weirdos in like leather and these black masks. Yeah, the masks were very weird. Yeah, some of them had the masks like over over their eyes. Just too. their masks. <laughs> And I just saw the mouth ones mostly, which was creepy. Yeah, there were a few like of they them. They don't even have had, eye holes. A few of them had eye holes, so it wasn't like a blind army necessarily, but I don't know. It maybe it was like thinner in the eyes so you could still see, but it was weird. But they had like Yeah, I assumed it was like a ski mask. They had axes and all this stuff, and it was like, Whoa, all right. And then they brought forward the fish. <laughs> okay. I have a story about the fish. When I first Googled Snowpiercer to like just google at the very first time the first result was snowpiercer what's up with the fish (laughs) (laughs) yeah why why the fish (laughs) what did uh what did you think there about the fish i was so confused so they take out the fish it's a big ass fish my first thought was cool there's fish on this train we should be eating fish (laughs) second thought was they they i mean they stabbed the fish and just like just gut it in front of them and and then I guess it was supposed to be like threatening. Like these are sharp. Like I did not understand. They passed it around, right? And like different people cut into it a little bit. 
and got blood on there. What is... Later on, we'll find them talking about how they are trying to keep ecosystems in balance, right? And they talk Mm -hmm. about when they sit down and eat sushi, they talk about how like, oh, they're they're balancing the, the aquariums and stuff. Yeah. Their fish supply. And after this fight, Mason will get up there and say 74% of you will die. The fish thing is, is symbolic of they're about to call their population like they call the fish. Oh, okay. Okay. And that this is where it happens. This is what's, you know, this is your fate. You are the fish here. You're, you're ex- disposable. You're like stock. Mm-hmm. Like cattle. Or fish. It's also kind of demoralizing because, like you said, whoa, there's fish on board. <laughs> whoa, I could have eaten that fish. <laughs> Give me that fish. But okay, so they have a big fight. And ordinarily, I'm not a big fan of fight scenes. I'm just like, okay, who won, right? Yeah, same. <laughs> it's nap time. And one thing I did like about this fight scene was they do this cool slow motion effect that emphasizes the sounds just of Curtis's hacks, like hacking at people and everything. Mm, yeah. He's yeah. going, whoa. You know, all that. But that's everything else is kind of muffled and we're just focusing on him in slow motion and like quite brutally, grotesquely, viscerally chopping into people. Yeah. And I was, to me, that was like highlighting the brutality required in an armed revolution like that. Yeah. And and of a leader of that revolution to be doing that with the rest of his people, I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. He had to you know, put away any sort of idealistic notions he had about this and get down to chopping. Just hack some people up. Getting blood all over him, breaking bones, hacking, and just, yeah, it was was what was required, what the people needed of him, I guess. Doesn't he slip on the fish later? Yeah, he slips on the fish. (laughs) That was the point. It was a banana peel. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, I watched Mario Kart. I didn't really know what to think about the slipping on the fish part. I don't know if that was just a little comic relief. <laughs> you know what we need right now? A little boy? A little slapstick, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just with the sound effects and everything. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if there's a symbolic way to, to derive from it. Not everything's your English class, man. <laughs> One thing I loved was when they actually, they come forward with like reinforcements and shit, but the guy announces like, we're approaching Ekaterina Bridge. Yes, that was super cool. So there's this bridge, and it means it's like the new year, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. They do a countdown. They like are, they're raising their <laughs> axes and like, 10, <laughs> 9, 8. And they have just like been hacking each other to pieces. And they, they, and they stop for New Year's. The guards do that. The, um, the tail sectioners are just kind of like standing around, I guess, licking their wounds sort of. And after, I think Edgar says something, like, ah, getting fucking old. You know, but everyone's just kind of like taking a break to yeah. <laughs> celebrate the new year. That's so weird. Yeah. It seems like, you know, maybe there's going to be a truce. Maybe they're going to, they're going to fix things or something is going to happen. Mason again shows up to give a speech. Yeah. Now she's got like a kind of military looking uniform. Mm-hmm. It's got some medals on it or something. Still looks like a wacko. I don't know. <laughs> just terrible. Um, it comes up basically, and she's like, "Can't you appreciate the scraps we've given you? You know, like, mm-hmm. just why can't you be happy?" Uh, <laughs> and yeah, seventy-four percent of you will die. Yeah, 
just she had that number ready to go. Yeah, like she just read it off a of paper almost. Just mm-hmm. Curtis here threw an axe at her. Oh, and some asshole blocks it. Yeah, one, one of, of those big suited guys. I called them the suited goons. Yeah, suited goons. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, they block it. She said, "I I love this line that she says. She says, uh, my friend, you suffer from the misplaced optimism of the doomed.' Ooh, that's a badass thing to say to, to people." <laughs> It's, it's very mean and it, it's kind of accurate in some ways yeah this is where the tunnel comes into play so first they they run through some ice blocks the the snow piercer does its piercing of snow mm-hmm. so they like the the track has ice on it and they just like bust through it yeah these like i don't know if they were ice flows or like something but it had gotten onto the track and so mm-hmm. they had to yeah they just yeah, they just rammed through it and nearly fell off the track, <laughs> but didn't. Yeah, yeah, I I thought that was going to be a much bigger problem than it ended up being. And then, yeah, they go into a fucking tunnel. Oh, this this part sucks. The fucking soldiers pull out their night goggles, night vision goggles, and get to hacking. They do. It looks gruesome. Uh, luckily, Chan brings, like, a, they have a torture relay thing. Dude, this is my favorite scene. Oh, yeah? I was screaming at my TV. Um, yeah, cause like the, so Nam had a, had like the last cigarettes in the world basically. Mm-hmm. And he has his little matchbook with him and like the little, a little kid had taken it or something. Yeah. And so all the way back in the tail end, they light a torch and this little kid goes running with a torch yeah. and then he <laughs> passes it off to the one-armed guy uh-huh. and it was just like so inspirational (laughs) i don't know i got very hyped watching this i was like you go guys go it was super cool yeah they they do that relay race gray ends up with it and then by the time they get to the four to the very you know to where they are to the fight they have torches Mm -hmm. now and so yeah the people are able to fight on and you know the tide turns kind of yeah i i really like that like obviously symbolism and like light and stuff but also like the civilians are helping too, yeah. you know, like even like the kids are helping and the idea of like the light is spreading to different torches, like that's some good symbolism shit right there. They have, yeah, it's it's the power basis of the revolution is coming from the people, the masses, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like you mentioned earlier, that may be a, that may, they may have done just, you know, done better had they kept those masses going with them. Honestly, yeah. I was a little judgy. So anyway, they start winning the battle. Gray takes, I liked the scene where Gray ends up taking a hostage, that like train conductor looking guy, like bellboy guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy with the little glasses and stuff. Yeah, tells him surrender or die. And Mason looks at him like, what What do you, what do you want me to do? No. <laughs> <laughs> and then the guy goes, oh, shit. Yeah, he, in, that, in that moment, like right before his death, he realizes what he and all other cops are class traitors you know useful Mm -hmm. but expendable and never fully accepted in the eyes of their capitalist masters absolutely like oh like i felt i mean i didn't feel bad but it was it was like a deserved like fuck off man like you should have seen this coming this is what you always were to them yeah yeah and he gets killed he certainly does and is this when this is when he loses Edgar, right? Yeah, yeah. Gray throws a uh, knife know. into Mason's like thigh or something. Mason gets wounded trying to escape. And then one of the suit goons takes Edgar as a hostage. That feeling when you have to choose the revolution over your bestie. Yep. Sad face. He looks back. He looks at Mason, looks back. He's like, fuck, what do I do? Curtis is like trapped here. But I mean, he guess he doesn't let his, you know, 
personal feelings get in the way of no, the people? No. Curtis is like, yeah, okay, whatever. I mean, he's he's obviously upset about it, but. Yeah, and it looks like Edgar is. He tells him do it, doesn't he? Yeah, I think he, he's, he knows what must be done too, you know? Yeah. So. I think in that situation, Edgar had been so explicit about like, no, I'll fucking die. So like. That kind of gives them some wiggle room, I feel like. Like, if, if I had a friend, they said, like, hey, if everyone turn to your best friend this week. Say, hey, if we're in a revolutionary situation, here's here's what I want you to do. Here's my DNR yeah. for revolution. <laughs> do not rescue. <laughs> and do not rescue. Uh, yeah. Guys, I'm a wuss. Please rescue me. <laughs> uh, I'm fine, but only if it's, like, at the real moment, you know, if it's... If it's convenient. <laughs> if it's just like, this may help us win. No, come on, rescue me. But if it's like, no, this is it. We take power here or not. Go ahead. It's fine. Fine. Make okay. a statue of me or something. Do something cool. Yeah, take care of my cats. Name a couple cities after me, but that's it. <laughs> so yeah, Edgar gets killed. Curtis goes, takes Mason hostage. Um, and so she, she very quickly changes her tune and tells him to surrender, <laughs> drop her weapons and everything. Yeah, what I I wasn't sure if that was going to work at first just because that guy like had just gotten killed. But I guess she's high up enough that it works. Yeah. So they go on to the next part. The people have taken the water car. Gilliam, Gilliam comes in and surveys all the carnage, kind of the price that they've paid uh, mm-hmm. for, for where they've gotten to. And his reaction kind of depends on our interpretation of something later. <laughs> but, uh. He tells the people, go on, wash yourselves in the water car. And then they get down to questioning Mason. Yeah. I have a question. At one point, she takes out her dentures. What's the point of that? I don't know. <laughs> okay. Just, just I watched that a check. number of times just to see if I had missed something. And I have no idea. <laughs> okay. That, all right. She did Another it, Another question for, for the director. Should we ever meet? <laughs> We're going to be like, fish, dentures. <laughs> Explain yourself. He just rolls his eyes. <laughs> He's like, not this again. Every fucking Uber driver I have asks me the same two questions. <laughs> uh, so Mason gets the gets raked over the coals, you know. They are swinging an axe at her, threatening to chop off her arm, all this. Yeah, yeah. Deserves it. I mean, if anyone she does. Uh, she denies knowing where the kids are. Uh, she says... That, this is where she says that he likes kids, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, Wilfred likes kids. Ugh. And they're like... Wilfred likes Ooh, that does not make it any better. Yeah, well, they were kind of like, no, all he cares about is his engine. They didn't really raise any eyebrows about that or anything. Yeah. <laughs> she uh, says Wilfred's not going to come. He's not going to leave the engine. He, you know, even if they chop her up into bits or whatever, he's not going to do that. They tell her about the plan about the water. Like, who cares? Mm-hmm. We'll shut off the water. It doesn't matter. And then, I don't know. She either foolishly or intentionally shoots down their plan. I, I wasn't sure why, what's his name, wouldn't, I mean, he does know that, right? Like, the old guy, he knew that this wouldn't work. It depends. If he's truly just an old guy back there, you know, mm. that's, then that's not, then he might not know. He, if, you know, what Wilfred says is right, then, then yeah, he probably already knew. Yeah. But basically, she says that the water comes from the front. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, like, as the tro- sna- as the tro- As oh we God. pierce the snow. As the train busts. <laughs> Yeah, as, as they pierce that snow, they get the water from it. Yeah. And so then that goes, you know, she's like, you'd be condemning your own people. You depend on that too, sort of thing. And this is a classic capitalist argument of 
the mm. system, you know, benefits you too. You can't just destroy the system because you would suffer too. <laughs> I mean, I'm willing to do a little bit of suffering. Yeah. Ultimately, that may be a good choice. Uh, but she tells them, no, the water car plans, basically, it's not going to work. Um, she also revealed the that they have knowledge of Curtis and the revolutionaries. Yeah, yeah. She's like, she calls him by his full name or whatever. Mm -hmm. And she's like, oh, yes, we know you. Yeah. That was a terrible accent. I'm sorry for any Scots, probably. It's kind of like North Country. I don't know. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry, any Northerners. It's uh, actually the Yorkshire accent. Oh, okay. Yeah. Tilda Swinton said that she based it on someone from her early life who had that accent. And to her was an example of an early example of authority. Ooh, okay. Shout out to Tilda Swinton's principal. Yeah. It's got this, <laughs> her headmistress. Yeah, it's got that headmistress, assistant principal, you know, mm-hmm. discipline dean sort of vibe. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, I was wondering, okay, why have they not already stopped the, these revolutionaries or just pulled them out and killed them? That's a good question. If they knew about If them they already, knew this was brewing. Then why not? Yeah. Right? And then Mason, I thought Mason said something interesting here when i'll take you to the front but you have to kill him you have to kill wilford yeah that was weird and i was wondering do you think that she's being genuine and like is worried like oh he will be like pissed that i led you up here so kill him okay or is she like trying to make them think that so that they think that she's really turned against the regime and is not just like purposefully leading them up there or something. Yeah. I, I couldn't get a good read on that. Like I think was also confusing to me. So Gilliam says, don't let Wilford talk, like cut out his tongue or something like that, which is very interesting to me. Yes. Yeah. That's the nighttime conversation right after this. They're like laying down there and talking about it. And yeah, he says, don't let him talk, cut out his tongue. I, so I that in conjunction with Mason's comment made me think like are they assuming that they're gonna get up there and kill Wilford and basically just take his place and now like there's a new Wilford but you know okay. like are they just assuming like they're gonna take over and like it might be a little bit the same thing just different face uh I so okay the straight reading of it for now because we don't you know watching it right now we don't know mm-hmm, anything mm-hmm. chronologically yeah chronologically you think okay Mason's scared for her life she even says because I want to live right I'll work with yep. the revolutionaries I'll help you in return kill Wilford take his you know presumably take his place I'll do whatever you want at that point you know mm-hmm. and Gilliam's saying cut out his tongue don't let him convince you to like lose resolve at the last minute right mm-hmm. don't let him let you convince you honeyed words whatever like we need to you know you need to take power and make things good for people not necessarily you know I keep mean, the system but like make it good and and work mm-hmm. you know i thought what was interesting about that is that gilliam knowing curtis like i would never feel like i would have to tell that to curtis like I, I I just don't think I would. <laughs> I think he would just fucking kill him. But he doesn't when he goes. I mean, it's true. He's not like cold-blooded. Uh, he might. I don't know. I, yeah. That's. Uh, I would hope that he it would was kill a, him. A, it was a unique thing to have to clarify. Yeah. You know? 
Yeah. And like, why, why would you say that unless there was a reason you didn't want me to hear him? <laughs> um, so the party then ventures forward and this is where we get the Vanguard party. Yeah. So, I mean, one thing I did like was artist guy draws their party, oh, so like cute. a little portrait. Yeah. It's like a, it's really cute. It's like when people post like cool pictures of their D and D party. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like they kept adding people. It's like, Oh, sorry. <laughs> it was really good. Yeah. So I liked it. I like artist guy. That would be me. You'd be the the painter. <laughs> uh, yeah. So they move forward. Gilliam's staying. The party will be Curtis, Mason, uh, Nam, Yona, Tanya, Andrew, and Gray. Yes. The so okay. So they go forward. The first door enters, and they are in Eden. Right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the food. This is where they grow the food. It's gorgeous. It's a, like a citrus orchard. You know. It's there's a yeah. fountain. There's a lady who's knitting there and just like looks up like, what the fuck just are you sh- guys doing? That's probably one of my favorite parts about this movie is the reactions of like the bourgeois when they see people. They're just like, oh. Yeah. They're just like, well, this is weird, isn't it? You know. Yeah. Uh, and I also love thinking about like the everyday lives of the bourgeoisie too, because they would like, there's only one way to go through. And I, I immediately was like, okay, where, where do these people fuck? Like <laughs> you have to be like, Oh, pardon me. Like you cover your eyes as you walk through the hall. Like, yeah, I just have a lot of questions. Well, there must've been, <laughs> you know, in those train cars where they see like the, the tailor and all the businesses like, and stuff, there's probably like a residential. Oh, they have little and compartments yeah and you can just close the blinds or something and okay and wait. or yeah. you can just go to never... the club and do it there <laughs> apparently because i i don't remember seeing like residential places yeah. i think maybe they just didn't show i think it. they breeze past that because it's a really yeah. long train so we don't see every car it's a real long train they go through people start eating like fruits from it i think someone's eating a tomato yeah uh, yeah yona tries to eat some dirt <laughs> <laughs> well her dad tells her to yeah they're um it's a classic dad prank <laughs> hey, try, try to eat this i know you've never seen dirt but try to eat it uh and then they go through the fucking aquarium car that one's real fucking cool oh my gosh and these people have never seen like people are born in this train like mm-hmm. edgar he's dead now but he had literally been born in the train yona too so like yona too mm-hmm. yeah she's only like 17 or something mm-hmm. So, yeah, they had never seen any life besides humans. And now they get to see fucking stingrays and shit. It's wild. And uh, yeah. I don't know. I was thinking, like, I wonder if that's enough space for those fish. Like, this, you know, <laughs> the train's not that big, and it seems like you can walk fairly comfortably in it. So it's, like, not that much dimension, dimensional room for I was just thinking, like, aquarium size, man. They have a stingray. That requires a lot of space. Yeah, and like plant life too. Like that's important for fish, right? It reminded me as a Dallas resident of the Dallas World Aquarium. They have a shark tunnel. It's pretty oh, fucking cool. <laughs> in the healthy future to come, I'm, I've got to see that. It's pretty sweet. I'm not gonna lie. My nephew lost his shit at it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So they get past that. They go to the sushi bar. Mason's like, "Y'all want some sushi?" Basically, and insane that they have sushi <laughs> just like yeah i know we're on the end of the world or whatever but here's our sushi they have it twice a year though only twice a year Ooh. right precise mm-hmm. ecological balance they talk about it and say we've got it we know we do this to keep the population numbers in control i mean i don't know i, I wrote on here like we will see the human application later but 
Mm-hmm. We can already kind of see the seeds of, of eco-fascism here. For sure. Yeah, definitely reminded me of that. And my my first thought was, well, if you have it twice a year, if you had it once a year, then everyone could have some. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And and not only that, and you're, you're doing this instead of like, instead of just freezing the number of fish that you don't need, you could make mm-hmm. great like just fish sticks is a market improvement over the little protein blocks. <laughs> you could vary it up for sure, so much. For sure. Everybody could have a continuous source of food, right? Um Instead of just giving some people protein blocks every day and and everyone else gets to eat fancy sushi twice a year, you know? That's the thing is, yeah, this is when the Vanguard party sees that there was resources all along. Mm -hmm. Like, there was not scarcity. They've been lied to or ignored. Yeah. And the people who are saying, you've got to stay in your place, you know, order must be maintained, our hierarchy, you know, they're not doing that just because of the need to survive. They're doing that because of the need to survive with their added privileges included. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then that's when they, that's when they make Mason eat a, eat a protein block. <laughs> they go on to the, to the meat freezer section. Oh my God, they have so much meat. Which incidentally, you have to walk through the meat that knitting lady has to walk through the meat freezer every day to get to her knitting. Exactly. Spot. I love thinking of the paths these people take. It's very funny. They have so much meat. I don't know if it's lab grown or not because we never see any live chickens running around. But they have eggs. Oh, yeah. I have that. They have eggs, which makes me think they have at least chickens. Chickens you could fit on a, a train. The, I mean, the other stuff you could fit, but like you'd have to walk through a whole stable car, too. Yeah. I mean, you can keep them in cages, Meeting I guess. lady has to step in shit every day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so <laughs> stupid. All right. I love it. But I want to watch this whole movie, this, but from the perspective of knitting. No, lady. this movie is about revolution. It's not about logistics. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So they go on. Eventually, they end up at the classroom. Oh, the classroom is so scary. It is a terror. <laughs> they search for Andy and Timmy. One kid... Has the gall to stand up and say, I heard old tail sectioners were lazy dogs who slept all day in their own shit. Yes, that little shithead blonde girl. Yeah. I was just like, damn, she (laughs) knows her propaganda, dude. Right? Because she didn't come up with that on her her own, man. That's her society telling her that. Oh, no. Yeah, that's probably what her parents told her. Or maybe she watched it in one of these lovely videos. Oh. Oh, God, the propaganda videos. Or she learned it in the creepy hymn afterward. Oh, yeah. There's just so much chanting. (laughs) (laughs) It was scary. Um, But it's honestly, it's just a souped up version. It's just a souped up version of what we do every day. It's our school. We have them say the pledge, not only to the American flag, but to the Texas flag, too. Oh, yeah, the Texas one. Do they still have the moment of silence? They do a moment of silence afterward, too, yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, And, I mean, if you're going to any sporting events or anything like that, you got to do the little... American military minute at the beginning, you know, with all the <laughs> the anthem and the everything else. It's ridiculous. This is done too. It's just not maybe as this is done over the top in in the film to show you, but that's kind of what they're doing. Yeah. Well, I know even like early education, there is a lot of emphasis on like repetition and like like I don't know, like I don't know if you remember that far back, but like there is a lot of like singing and chanting and that kind of shit, mm-hmm. but it's obviously being used to teach them instead of like wash your hands yeah. and stuff. It's like all hail Wilford, Wilford forever, and then the engine, <laughs> so gross. rumble, rumble, rattle, rattle. Yeah, it they have like these die. crazy hand motions. Yes, 
so creepy. Their whole body <sighs> devoted to the nation. Fascism. Yeah. Perfect fascism. What happens if the engine stops? We all freeze and die. <laughs> we all freeze and die. Oh, God. Uh, this is when we learn about the Revolt of the Seven, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, they are about to pass, like, the, the Frozen Seven is what they call them. That, like, you'll see, they look out the window and they see these seven figures frozen in the ice. Mm-hmm. They call it, it was the Revolt of the Seven. They ended up jumping out of the moving train to try to make a new life in the outside. And then this is where Nam reveals that he knows or he knew the woman in the lead. Mm-hmm. So she was like some sort of Inuit person. Yeah. Yeah. That knew a lot about different types of snow was worked in cleaning, I think. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And <laughs> when they're pointing this out to the kids, the kids say, uh, or the teacher asks, what happens if we ever leave the train? And they do like the hand symbol. They're like, we'd all die. <laughs> so creepy. Oh, they did great casting too on this teacher. Mm-hmm. Like perfect, creepy, blonde, just like vaguely Aryan. That was uh, Allison <laughs> Pill. Yeah, yeah. I know her from the newsroom. She was in the newsroom. Oh, that's who she is. Yeah. She is very pregnant in this too, which is interesting. Well, yeah, that makes her even a better symbol of of the society and everything of the kind of fascistic thing they've got going is she's a def- she's a mother to the children, right? She's a mother to mm-hmm. the children of the of the nation, but she's also literally a mother to the next generation. She's totally serving the, you know, basically the Reich as it needs to be served. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So here's where uh, we see a character we've seen before. Gerald shows up. With a one-stringed violin. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> to to play, and then they bring in some like some New Year's eggs and everything. Oh gosh, I, I was like, I was very excited. I was like, eggs, they have eggs, cool. And then I was very upset. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Curtis, his egg has a red letter in it. Oh, what is, it says blood. Blood, oh. and he's like, what the fuck? And then boom, Gerald's one string breaks. His first blood is <laughs> on his face there. Oh, God. And then they show us the tail end. They brought eggs to them. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I thought chickens were extinct. And they're like, oh, no, we still have them. Lots of things we have that you think are extinct. Like this. And he pulls out <laughs> a gun with bullets. That was such a dick line. But it was hilarious. It was really bad. Also, that guy looks like extraordinarily creep- creepy. Like he just, I don't know. They did a good job with him. Yeah, he, he did look very creepy. Uh, the teacher also goes uh, full-on action movie here, pulls out a gun and starts <laughs> shooting people. She kills Andrew. It's insane. Gray runs up there and kills her with a knife. Mason tries to, you know, she's ever trying to escape. Mm, tries to get a yeah, gun. Tries to get a gun. She fails. Then the TV cuts on. It's security camera footage from further back in the train. Oh. The other, the remaining suited goon drags Gilliam out there. And they shoot him. They kill him. Why didn't they kill their prisoners, man? I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> at this point, Curtis does. He he uh, he guns down. He guns down Mason. Oh, he does. And yeah. He's just like fuck that. But like, they shouldn't have won. They should have taken the. I, here's my critique of this revolution: free prisoners, kill your prisoners, and then keep your mob with you. Because if they didn't, that's the reason they left them behind was to to watch those guys. If they had kept those guys, I'm just killed saying, the dudes. Kept their people with them. Mm-hmm. And when they show up with this egg bullshit, they have to try to 
shoot the room down with a bunch of children in it and everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bad strategy, guys. <laughs> so um, they go onward. Mason's dead now. Oh. They go on through the fancy cars. <laughs> I love... Yeah, these... These people have the best expressions. I love these details. It's just these like super dressed up people. And they're all just like, what are you doing here? And like what, someone like pulls their child away from them. It's, it's really and Yona goes me. up and like hugs her or something. Yona's just like, <laughs> yeah, hey, what's up? Like, she wants to look at her dress. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But like there's a, there's a car with a full on dentistry set up. Mm, yeah, yeah. There's a tailor. There's that fancy bar slash cafe or something. There's a hair salon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just this is the petite bourgeois right here. And none of it looks like shitty or cramped or bad because it's on mm-hmm. a train or anything. It's luxurious. Yeah. Yeah. Again, they have the fucking resources. Mm-hmm. They're lying when they tell you it couldn't be otherwise. And then they get to the sauna, right? Yeah. They are about to get to the sauna when the suited goons start shooting at them. The suited oh, goon. Yeah. Uh, this to me seemed really stupid, and it seemed like it was stupid from the perspective of some of his his own like fellow guards. They were like, "What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like, don't shoot out the window. We need the windows to be closed." You know. Oh yeah, that was. Oh yeah, when they the train like curves uh-huh. around and he starts shooting, and from, he tries to shoot through it. Yeah, that was really dumb. Hey. You are probably going to miss, dude. Yeah, I was like, there's no fucking way. And like, they end up wasting so many bullets. I'm like, clearly bullets are a finite resource right now. So like, maybe don't waste all your bullets. Uh, yeah, I thought Curtis firing back was even stupider than the goon shooting. I thought it was so stupid. Just Just lay down and crawl to the next section. Like, fuck that. Yeah. Uh, They could have gotten so much, you know, so far ahead of him and like closed doors and barred them and shit. Like, there was so much they could do. Yeah, man. Yeah, I thought that was super stupid. But anyway, they they had that little tense shootout. I think it was just like action movie. It looked cool. It did look cool, yeah. But I mean, I think it's crazy that both of them were so good at that problem of like train A leaves the station at whatever, and like because they had to calculate right? the motion of like, okay, I'm moving this way, but the train's moving <laughs> that way, and I've got to, yeah. And then there's <laughs> they this all huge had distance. physics degrees, yeah, for real. They move on to the sauna, and mm-hmm. this is where the goon I think is caught up by this point. There's like a like jacuzzis in 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 one of one of the cars. There's like a full on sauna in another one. It's crazy. It's insane. Like the rest of it, you're like, okay, this, that was very fancy. It's like this is just frivolous. Like, what are you doing here? You also have to go through the sauna to go to the cafe to go to your hair. <laughs> Again, that knitting lady. I hate going through the sauna. It always messes up my hair. <laughs> I just want to get some knitting done. <laughs> Uh, hopefully, well, I guess the club is in the other direction of the residential blocks, probably. Dude, I lo- <laughs> anyone that has to go through the club, just, I'm sorry. Well, that's why it's right next to the engine, because Wilford doesn't leave the engine, so. So, yeah, they're, they're at the front. The sauna. The goon in in one of these things ends up shooting a front section passenger, and then the soldier's oh, like, yeah. you shot a front section pa-? and he just gets killed. <laughs> he just shoots the soldier. And then the other guy's like, oh, it's fine with me. I didn't see anything. <laughs> yeah. Cops will always yeah. cover for their own. Ugh, yeah. Uh, this is where we lose most of the party, I think, right? Uh, Octavia yeah. Spencer gets killed. Yep. Um, and Gray. Gray, too, yeah. There's okay. a big fight, basically. The suited goon ends up di- downing Gray and Tanya and Curtis. Gray takes the knife for Curtis at the last minute. Uh, like, dramatically, like, puts a hand out there. Yeah. Curtis is about to get stabbed in the face, and he uh, saves him. True comrade there, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, but then dies. I mean, 
the Sudagoon killed Tanya and Gray in this fight, but they think that they've killed the Sudagoon. Mm. They really should check on killing people. Christine's rules of revolution. We've already been over the first three. Number four is make sure when you kill someone, you actually Split kill someone. Throat, dude. You don't even have to waste a bullet. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, anyway, they go on to the club. <laughs> the party and drug cars that I call them. It's, yeah. Uh, oh. It's uh, Honestly, at first, the first time I watched this, I was like, this is just a horrible decadent culture or something. <laughs> but uh-huh. uh, the t- when I watched this one, I was actually more like, you know what? These are comparably kind of normal people on this train <laughs> compared to... I thought so, too. I thought they would be before the the fancy people, you know? Well, I'm... It was a, it was a weird section, I guess. Yeah, I think because it was mainly kind of isolated from the respectable parts of the train. You know, this was... <laughs> I don't know why they let this place occur in their, you know, fascist yeah, society. But to me, these guys seemed way more normal in the sense that they were, you know, just drowning <laughs> themselves in distractions from the hellish circumstances that their lifestyle inflicts on the rest of the train. Yeah, I thought this was a weird one symbolically. Like, it felt a little anti-queer to me just because, like, everyone in this room read is pretty queer. And you thought that maybe they were like, this... This is decadent. This is the ultimate depravity behind... The rest of it. Yeah, I think it's just, I wasn't bothered by the car's existence. I think it was the sequence, you know? Like, why is that the next to last one? Is it just the inconvenience of walking through the party car? Which would suck, <laughs> by the way. But, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think it was just the symbolic nature of it. And the fact that they end up coming to fight them later. I'm like, okay, I don't know. I def- I don't think that this director would be going in that direction. I don't. No, I don't, I just, maybe not. I just don't think it's a good choice. That I agree. Because remember, we were talking about there is that angle with how the Soviet Union looked at mm-hmm. looked at the queer community and said, you know, this is kind of like indications of maybe fascist tendencies. Mm-hmm. Or it's bourgeoisie because you're like intellectual or whatever. Yeah, bourgeois like, decadence or something. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's not, I don't think that's a good choice, I guess. Yeah, I thought it was kind of strange. You're right. They do come in and like defend. They're like the last bastion of, which is weird it doesn't make sense for them to be but. <laughs> yeah yeah i it was interesting and maybe they weren't supposed to be coded as queer but like they it, that's how it came across i don't know they're probably just supposed to be like rich kids in general they, and yeah they they are that yeah, i think main, that's probably their main class like coding or whatever that's that's what they're supposed to be mm-hmm. it's also weird because like at some point this society's got to transform those people into the people we already saw <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And it'll probably happen, you know? Yeah. They're just getting out that youthful energy right then, and then they'll get that subsumed into a sterile, gross life in the service of the train, of the yeah. engine. Yeah. They steal all their drugs. Yeah. Uh, they're <laughs> As they go through there, Nam and Yona are just stealing everything that isn't nailed down, but they're actually focusing on stealing all the chronol and some jackets. I thought that, yeah, I didn't catch that first. I was like, I thought they just wanted drugs and cool cool fur coats, but there's a reason for it. They get to the gate, and Yona passes out kind of off to the side. Curtis is like, open the fucking gate, and he kind of gets pissed at Nam for n- not opening it fast enough, basically, and for asking mm-hmm. for Chronol. And then they have a, like, a bro fight sort of thing. Yeah, they fight, and they're like, no, we're good, we're good, let's talk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is that yeah. how men work? I, no, I've never done that with anybody. <laughs> You've never gotten in a physical fight and be like, no, what, what's really bothering you, man? Yeah, no, I've never <laughs> done that. But in, I assume that it can happen. It's shown often enough in movies and stuff that maybe it does. <laughs> it must be real. Yeah. No. <laughs> That's something I assume is real. I don't know if it is. <laughs> I don't know. Listeners, if you've ever been in the situation, let us know. <laughs> <laughs> if you've been in a bro fight. <laughs> 
Yeah. Learn to talk about your feelings. Yeah, this is some heavy shit. Mm-hmm. So this is where we reveal that Curtis, he talks about like the very beginning of of being on the train and that people, it was super chaotic and people started eating people. And yeah. they figured out the babies taste the best. They got those juicy little arms. I imagine it's kind of like, you know, you can have like full on like chicken or whatever, but the wing, it's like a small little, you know? I was thinking of it more like veal, how like that's supposed to be very good. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense yeah. too. <laughs> and we find out that Curtis almost ate Edgar as a baby. Yeah. He killed Edgar's mom. Yeah. Which is weird because at the very beginning, he like asked Edgar if he can remember his mom. That's a cold move, dude. Why would he do that? Right. Oh, I was like, what is wrong with you? He just follows up with it. Oh, I remember. I killed her. (laughs) (laughs) I remember. (laughs) She was a screamer. (laughs) And then he was interrupted. He was going to kill, you know, kill and eat Mm -hmm. Edgar. But he was interrupted by Gilliam. And Gilliam cuts off his own, is it arm or leg? His own arm, which... This, you know, we've we've had problems with the train's logistics. I don't think logistically you're going to cut off your own arm with a knife either. Mm-mm. But the swing of that just doesn't work out. No, right, I think he gotta, fucking sawed it. But then you got to saw through the bone and you've got to break that off at some point. He probably much. passed out and someone had to finish it. I don't know. Uh, offered the arm and said, eat this if you're so hungry. And then people started offering up limbs for food. Oh, everyone stood up and started donating limbs you know and then he tried to do it too but he couldn't bring himself to he sucked too weak <laughs> too That's weak w- they referenced his scarred arm this is where gilliam uh is telling him to cut out wilford's tongue when he meets him and mm-hmm. he's he points out his fucked up arm and he's like oh it's healing it's good you know it's getting better yeah and he's like oh and this is when he says like it's much better to have two arms so you can hold a woman and, yeah that's and that right that comes up later yeah so after that after people had started donating their arms uh, a month later, they end up with the protein blocks. Mm-hmm. That's the story that Curtis tells as he's smoking the last cigarette in the world. <laughs> it's probably pretty good. Yeah. He then asks Nam to open the gate, at which point Nam reveals that that's not his goal. Nope. He has been collecting Colonel to explode it. He wants to bust open the train and get the fuck out of here because according to his Inuit friend that died... Like, he knows the different kinds of snow. Yeah. And he thinks that the snow outside looks like it's melting. Mm-hmm. He thinks it's go- it may be survivable out there, and, and, you know, he can break free from this whole train. So this set up something for me that I thought, okay, uh, here's, some, here's some ideology, here's some, like, class, here's, here's some distinctions things here. Okay, uh-huh. so, like, this may be kind of a distinction between either kind of a Marxist-Leninist or a Maoist sort of revolutionary approach, right? Mm-hmm. versus kind of an anarcho-communist sort of approach. I was thinking the same thing because what's his name? Chris Evans' goal is to get to the front mm-hmm. and run it fairly. So that's yeah. like socialism kind of, or even social democratic, probably socialism though. He wants everyone to be equal and be worker run. Yeah. He's seizing the means of production, right? Yeah. But it's still like a central force, you know, it's still True. centralized yeah. on a train. And Nam is like, fuck the train. Let's just go out there and do our own thing, which is very Anne. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, that's 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 that socialist first stage where you've got to get get the engine, get the means of production, get the government, use the state as your weapon, right? Until mm-hmm. you get to the point where it can wither away. You know, mm-hmm. He doesn't really ever talk about that. 
he he just wants to state now and we'll deal with that problem maybe later. Yeah, I'm super curious what Curtis's original plan for like governing would be. It doesn't sound like he has one because he's like, I'm not a leader. And I don't know. I, yeah. I, I I feel like it's really simplified of just like, it'll be more fair. And I'm like, okay, what, what do you mean by that? <laughs> yeah. But that's fine. We It doesn't end up coming up. Yeah, he probably ultimately didn't really have too much of a too much of a plan there i don't think yeah but yeah i just thought that was interesting that kind of like yeah and you're right that nam kind of is like fuck it let's do our own thing let's you know this whole state is terrible we're getting out of it you know we're Mm -hmm. gonna do something else start our own island (laughs) so the door opens the yellow lady comes out (laughs) you can say bitch (laughs) (laughs) i'll give you permission i had on my notes psycho she opens the door and just shoots Nam. Just, poof, there you go. Ugh, it's horrible. And doesn't kill him. Takes his gun away and everything. Another foolish move here. Yeah, again, guys, make sure you kill. I mean, this one, I'm glad she didn't. But in general, yeah. if you're going to kill someone, do it right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she invites Curtis in for dinner on Wilford's behalf. He goes in to find the dreaded Wilford. Ed Harris, classic villain. I love Ed Harris, dude. He's got such a gravitas toward him you know he's got this like he does like oh he's scary anyway he's just cooking he's <laughs> just cooking a steak yeah they, so they start having a discussion i I like this where he says you know i've never been to the tail section and curtis is like what is that because it's too dirty for you <laughs> and wilford does this bullshit thing where he's like oh you don't think that my life has its own drawbacks oh yeah it's I noisy know. it's lonely oh i hated that oh when rich people complain. Yes. And I love that Curtis just Such says, that's bullshit, dude. Fuck you. Because, <laughs> like, yeah, like, oh, what is you know, the the rich person's burden, you know? <laughs> oh, I horrible. have to set up my foundation so people can decide what to do with all my money so I can avoid paying taxes on it. And that's really hard. And plus, I get demonized in political discourse. <laughs> what is it? People of wealth? <laughs> yeah you know we're only one percent of the population we're the real minority here oh disgusting well <laughs> curtis is just like not having it <laughs> yeah yeah it does not fucking buy that for a second um and wilford says basically come on everyone's got their preordained station in life mm-hmm. he does the same bullshit same ridiculous everyone's got the great chain of being Everyone's in their place except you. And I love Curtis's reply because I had put this in my notes earlier. It's like, that's what the people in the best place say to the people in the worst place. Absolutely it is. It's easy for him to say that when he's sitting here in his slippers and is making a steak and everything. Yeah. They have dinner over a literal steak dinner. Wilfred <laughs> lectures Curtis and says, you know, overpopulation, man. We got to cur- curtail the masses. We don't want everyone to starve. This dude is eating steak. <laughs> so bad (laughs) this is where we get the reveal right yes so he says like isn't it weird how far you got and basically reveals that the front and the tail work together Mm -hmm. and they he allows revolutions to happen because it helps call the population and he knows gilliam and he quotes gilliam's weird like wanting to hold a lady thing like Mm -hmm. word for word and then that's when fucking curtis realized like oh he actually does know him yeah and with the claim on gilliam okay basically do you believe it i do yeah yeah i think 
the fact that Gilliam at a couple of points was like, are you sure you want to do this? And like, he's being mm-hmm. kind of a little bitch sometimes. Like, yeah. oh, like maybe the water train's enough. Like, just like he was kind of too cautious and too, I don't know. Like he, you could tell he would have been okay if, if Curtis had given up sooner. Yeah, I was wondering about that because, I don't know, the favorite theory of mine, because I don't, I don't think Gilliam's like completely out of the loop that he didn't know anything about it and that I don't think Wilford was just straight up lying. I don't think so either. I, I don't think that Wilford has to like completely control Gilliam at all points though. So like what I'm picturing is Gilliam has like in the past worked with Wilford, right? Mm-hmm. And either at some point along the way in those failed revolutions or perhaps just in this one decides that it's not that he doesn't want to do that anymore. Oh, because that's why he tells him to don't let him talk. Yeah. And I think it happens in this revolution. I think when he comes into the Ekaterina Bridge car, where they've just mm-hmm. had the big battle, and he co- he hobbles in, he looks at all the damage and everything. Ooh, yeah. And I think he thinks at that point, no, either or both, they've killed too many of ours. Mm-hmm. And this is no longer going according to plan. And so I'm out. Or we killed too many of theirs. Mm. the numbers are off. Wilfred's not going to follow the plan anymore. We have to make this revolution really happen. Interesting. I kind of like that. Because, yeah, at first I thought, at first I totally believed, what's his fuck, uh, Wilfred. At first mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, okay, so Gilliam's a traitor, fuck that guy. And then I I kept going back to the cut out his tongue line. I'm like, he had to have said that because he really wanted this to happen. One, he thought he'd get all the way to the the front of the train. And mm-hmm. two... He thinks that if he gets there, he should kill Wilford like a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, it could have been cover. It could have been, no, I'm a real revolutionary. Uh-huh. I want you to kill him knowing that Curtis probably wouldn't. And then it's a more complete lie. You know, it's a more like he mm-hmm. gets there. More he's convincing. like, no, I believed Wilford, but he was wrong. And so his whole revolutionary thing is crushed. And then he indeed is like, okay, I've got to uphold the system. This is what I'm made to do. Yeah, because, yeah, what's his name? Wilford tries to get him, get Curtis to take over as engineer eventually. Yeah, that's basically what he sits him down to tell him is that this is what we're going to do. Which is kind of crazy. Like, why would you want? I mean, it's just because he's a good leader, but like, also, he's revolutionary as fuck. Like, that seems like it's a bad stupid. idea. It's a, it's a stupid <laughs> plan because he could just pull like a normal front sectioner to do it and train them yeah. from day one and like... Yeah. Get the best leader you could possibly have. You can get one of those kids back there. <laughs> yeah. This is why, I don't know, it's it's a long shot because at some point, I guess they were planning at Yekaterina Bridge. That was supposed to be the agreed upon, like, this is where we turn you back. I guess mm-hmm. they were going to take him from that and go negotiate and then, oh, and then, like, make him the leader then. Because he pretends like part of the plan was call your population. Also, I want you to succeed me. Like, yeah, I thought that was really out of left field. I, I don't know. It could just be that this is maybe there wasn't too much of this plan going on. There was the planned revolution. But once it got passed, Wilfred said, OK, now what? I'm going to make this guy. I'm going to try to convince this guy to be like my heir or something because mm-hmm. he's clearly got potential and all that. If any or it could have been a standing thing. Like if anybody ever does succeed in a revolution past what I think they should succeed, I'm going to try to make that guy my heir. Because mm-hmm. that person is smart or whatever. Yeah. Like they've proven That's themselves. That's weird. I, I don't know. I'm a fan of the betrayed Gilliam theory. Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes sense. I have no real proof of it besides <laughs> just some evidence. Yeah. They get on the phone. Wilford gets on the phone and orders some executions. He oh. calls Gilliam's place and has the creepy guy execute people. 
Yeah, and he lets Curtis hear the noises. Curtis gets pissed. Claude, we found out her name is Claude. Claude. <laughs> shoots. And then Wilfred's like, what? My engine. <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, at that point, would you just beat her up and take her gun? And then as, <laughs> as, as if there aren't enough crazies on this train, and right on cue, the suited goon rises. <laughs> Gosh, guys. And this is where things start kind of tumbling into the end here. Yona wakes up. She finds Nam wounded. A club goer comes in, <laughs> like looking to fight, I guess, about the chrono he stole. I, that's what I assumed, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Nam knocks him into the engine machinery. Oh, yeah, yeah. This dude with like angel wings on his back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then you have like a crazy mob of club goers, all yeah, with weapons yeah. now, because why? I, I don't guess know. they just have those, or like, yeah, I was not clear on that. They show up there, they basically they end up having to fight off the mob long enough to get the fuse set on the door Mm -hmm. meanwhile there's the dramatic conversation in the engine room Mm -hmm. and then wilford like has curtis go stand in the engine oh yeah he's like take some you're never alone here because there's just so many people like take some time be alone and then he goes in there and cries basically and then um and then he writes him one last note because he's been sending the little red letters apparently yeah he reveals that he's the red letter writer he Ugh. just wrote one. Its message is train. <laughs> this is where he offers Curtis the train. Yep. Gives him the sacred responsibility to lead all of humanity. Without you, humanity will cease to exist. What's he driving home? He's driving home. There is no other alternative, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, could he say, I mean, this is a bad plan for sure. He could have said yes. And then when he was in charge, just like made it better. But I don't, he wouldn't have. My first order is killing you. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like he, but that wouldn't work, you know? I just don't think it would. I don't know if it could have. It may, may could have. If anything, it would take too long. All right. The suited goon shows up. Claude sticks her head out and Yona knocks her out. She starts shooting at the goon, but missing and hitting a bunch of other people. Mm. She <laughs> keeps doing that, even though Nam orders her to stop. I thought this was kind of cool because she's like, no, fuck it. I'm doing, and I'm not listening. I'm doing yeah. my thing, you know? Yeah. He keeps trying to keep her from from killing i guess because like she's his daughter but it's like nah dude i need to right now <laughs> yeah yeah she's making her own choices there uh back in the engine room wilford now the door is open because claude opened the door and now he's like <laughs> using this situation whispering right into curtis's ear Ugh. trying to persuade him of the need for order you know he's like a devil on his shoulder <laughs> definitely he's like look at all that chaos we yeah. gotta control it yeah People are naturally bad. This is what oh, people are. Go. And you've got to save them from themselves. Oh, gross. Gross, gross. Just put your name at the top of the Republican ticket, why don't you? <laughs> yeah, this is just more, we need a strong leader. We need a head to our body to control mm-hmm. things. More fascism, yeah. man. I mean, I think the naturally bad thing really stuck out to me, because I think that is so much of the difference between conservatives and leftists like Mm -hmm. i i get very frustrated because it makes people paint leftists as like naive or something and i'm Mm -hmm. just like man maybe but like i think that's a better goal than just assuming the worst well i think that if you're really looking at it from a historical materialist point of view you're not being naive about it at all the key understanding there is that people are going to be what influenced by their environment right Mm -hmm. The whole project was to turn idealism on its head and be materialist instead and say, 
the environment affects people, you know, and mm-hmm. people in capitalism are going to behave in selfish and those sorts of ways. But we can use that to set up a new system that that's not governed by that selfish nature that doesn't exploit that, you know, a, a, a new system that wherein people are free to be what we think that they actually would be, which would be. You know, good. Yeah. Like I, there's this tweet that's been going around this week that someone says like, oh, I'm, I'm a therapist and I can tell you that like therapy's great, but money's better. Like people are just happier with money. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it's true. And like, mm-hmm. I, I think back to the times in my life where I had less money and like, yeah, that's fucking sucked. And like, I think the reason I'm doing so well right now is because I'm financially secure. Like that is a huge, like mental burden. And it just, it just makes your life so much fucking easier. Yeah. And so leftists aren't saying, let's all be good people and that'll fix things because we understand that it's harder to be, to feel positive, to feel good about things, like you were saying, without those material resources. Mm-hmm. Back to the plot here. Yona comes running in to try to get the match from Curtis. Yeah. And I thought this was a great scene because like Curtis is standing up in the engine compartment and she comes up to him and he just puts like an arm out. Like, no, mm-hmm. like stay there. This is, you know, the, the crown prince here on high, he, you know, just stops her and is he's interrupted and you're just like, what are you doing? And I don't know, at that point you're kind of suspecting like, whoa, what if, yeah, is he going to turn? Yeah. Is he accepting his mantle? Like, right. Like he's, maybe he's decided to, you know, to, to become like the new, the right hand of God and eventually the head of the great chain of being again, you know, Mm -hmm. but Yona, she's way more persuasive than Wilfred is. (laughs) She knows this isn't really how Curtis is. And so she uses her sensory stuff to figure out, Oh, Hey, under the floor here, and opens up the tile. Oh my God, this is nuts. Timmy's in the floor. Beneath the floor, there are all these turning gears and everything. And yeah, there's Timmy. What's crazy about this? So you see him like moving, I guess, some sort of gunk out of the gears. Yeah. And like, that's his job. Like, that's all he fucking does all day. And then they like, I don't Do they flash back to this? Or is it just like, you just remember this motion? Well, they don't flash back to it, but they show Wilford doing it. Yes. So they show Wilford making that same like grabbing and turning motion. And then you remember earlier in the movie, uh, Mason does that motion whenever she's giving her little order speech or whatever. She's like, everyone has a part to play and does this little Mm -hmm. hand motion. So like she's she fucking knows that these kids are being used like industrial age child labor style. Yes. As living machinery. Replacement parts, right? Wilfred just mm-hmm. casually is just like, oh, yeah, you know, <laughs> the, the parts for that went <laughs> extinct. And so only kids can replace them because they got small hands and fit into the spots. And, uh, you know, that's what you got to do. <laughs> it, it takes that for the train to survive. And we uh, we prey upon the tail section to do that. Mm-hmm. Which kind of explains why they keep the tail section alive at all. Yeah. And so uh, this I thought set up kind of a dilemma for Curtis because he's got a few choices now. For me, it was like the opposite. For me, at least that made it like a much clearer choice. Cause before I was still like, man, you can still take over the train and like maybe do some good shit. Like now that you have, you know, another person here and Claude's dead, take Claude's gun, shoot the guy, take over the train. Like that's, that was the original plan. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But now, now that you know that you literally can't run this train without child labor, like, I think you got to leave the train. <laughs> so you're saying, okay, because that is one of the options that doesn't end up happening, right? Is his original plan, taking the train, mm-hmm. taking power, uh, has this wrinkle now where for a time, the, the train can't stop. 
So for a time, even if it's, even if you're immediately like, let's figure out replacement parts, then let's make some replacement parts and stop using child labor. Even if you do that immediately for a time, you're going to be governing a train that runs on child labor. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I mean, I thought that that there is a big school of, you know, a lot of people who would say sacrifice that sucks, (laughs) but that's better than blowing up the train. That's better than just going with Wilford. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I I admit I was disappointed in the blowing up the train because, like, they lost a lot of people there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, that that was pretty extreme, but I don't know. But you think that, do you think that that is a better choice than doing something to where you try to fix child labor very fast, but you still have to rely on some child labor for a while? That's the thing is, like, how the fuck would they even fix it? Like, you have to figure out parts and then you have to make Yeah, it seems like they don't have foundries because they're not making more bullets, you know? And they're not making more parts. So they don't have like stuff to make stuff, if that makes sense. They don't have like metal working. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Could just be a matter of found. I thought it was just like, well, maybe they're like making mach- making replacement parts machine broke down, you know? Yeah, exactly. Because it, it, that I think was confusing. Because it's like, what do you mean the part went extinct? Like, can't you make, make more of the part? What was it made out of that you don't have here? Like True. it's metal probably. I don't know. Yeah. So maybe there isn't a way out. Maybe there you can never replace the child's labor even if you tried. And so mm-hmm. then your only other option is bye-bye train. Yeah, which is which is the option they end up taking. <laughs> yeah. So Curtis, yeah, he decides on that option. He knocks out Wilford. He goes to liberate Timmy by sticking his arm into the hole to stop the machinery oh. and the engine. Yona comes up and he gives the match to Yona. So the gears stop because they're caught on his arm, right? Oh, yeah. And uh, then the like engine compartment comes out and we see Andy come out of a hatch in the wall. Yeah. And he tries to talk to him and he just doesn't hear him or doesn't. Yeah, he's in a daze. He's like, yeah, well, that was weird. But he offers himself. I mean, he goes in there and sits down like he's going to fix stuff. But I mean, he's just like a human sacrifice to the eternal engine. Pretty much, right? Oh, God, yeah. Wilfred wakes up and he's just like, preordained, it's all destiny, you know, you have your place, <laughs> something along those lines. He says some more bullshit. Yeah. So doing that till the end, man, dedicated. Nam ends up killing the suited goon. Yona lights the fuse to the chrono bomb. Curtis hauls Timmy out of the hole as his arm is severed by the machinery he finally lost that arm good job yeah man he made that sacrifice he's (laughs) become you know one of the people that he's been fighting for outwardly now Mm -hmm. yona goes to grab timmy to help him get out of there nam is trying to close the gate to protect them all from the blast but he's unable to do so so he just runs in to like protect yona and curtis kind of joins him in that hug yeah group hug meanwhile Wilfred over there. He says nice. He just like smiles. He's like, nice. And I'm like, what? Yeah. I was just like, dude, you're going to die. Yeah. I was very confused by this. So my interpretation of this is probably wrong. I don't know if it can be wrong, but still. (laughs) It's wrong. And you know, in the end, when it's on its knees and on its way out, Mm -hmm. capitalism will probably just resort to sarcastic retorts to cope with its defeat. (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense. Just like, ah, okay, at least I'll be dead. <laughs> They're just going to be making memes about the revolutionaries that are like right then burning down their houses and dragging them out in the cool. streets. Cool, <laughs> cool fire. Yeah, I'll be like, bit much or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, yeah, that was very weird. Uh, the gate blows up, and this gets destructive. It starts an avalanche. Yeah, they lose like most. I-, I feel like they lose most of their cars. <laughs> I feel like most of their cars, almost everybody like dies in this. I think. I, I mean, it had to just be like two people that survived. I mean, maybe there's some more, but I don't know. I'm sure there are. I just most people probably yeah. died in it. It's a complete yeah. cataclysm, man. That kind of sucked. Well, I was looking, I was, I was thinking about this. I was trying to decide what, what even, you know? Mm-hmm. And from one angle, okay, maybe it was necessary. Yeah. Maybe it had to happen, you know, um, as in the words of an American prophet before the Civil War who just before his execution wrote, I, John Brown, am now quite certain that the crimes of this guilty land will never be purged away but with blood. I mean, yeah. Maybe it had to happen. The train had to atone. I mean, I think so. And like, people aren't meant to just live on trains, guys. <laughs> you know, like, I think there was kind <laughs> sure. of an interesting environmental note at the end, you know, like returning to the land kind yeah. of shit. Mm-hmm. So, well, also, could we not just stop the train and get out? Yeah, that too. <laughs> if we wanted to leave the train, <laughs> I mean, if we do something like that or some, I mean, because I don't know, I'm still wondering like, okay, maybe it did need to happen, but maybe there is a better road to choose. Could like we have stopped the train and then come out and had revolutionary tribunals and fucking execute the people who were guilty. <laughs> I mean, that'd be cool. And spare the innocents in the tail section, right? Yeah, that, I think that's what bothered me is that a lot of people that died, like the tail section all fucking died from that probably. And like, because we saw some cars like fall into like, into the ravine. ravines yeah. and shit. Yeah, like they... They probably didn't live. And like that was who the revolution was supposed to be for. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they got wiped away. Yeah, I thought that was shitty. So that's what I was wondering is like, perhaps it's just, you know, the justice of what the sins of the train had wrought. But it seems like it it, it was imperfectly applied. Like it was mm-hmm. everybody got the axe instead of just the people who needed it. Yeah, yeah. Like they could have just stopped the train. Like you already had Claude dead. All he had to do was was stab. Kill Wilford. Yeah, kill Wilford and stop the train. Get all the child slaves out and stick something bad in the engine. <laughs> just stop. And you, you don't even have to blow it up. You just, I'm surely there's a stop lever or button. I don't know. Maybe not. But if there's a way to just stop it without blowing up, I think that's okay too. And then that way you can still have train power and you can still like be relatively comfortable yeah while you figure out how to survive outside you don't really want to ruin the engine yeah 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 that that makes sense and plus if you had followed the strategy of bringing your people with you you would have your a mob of your own to defeat the party goer mob who are all high on chrono anyway like exactly that would have been a very easy fight but no come on guys lots of tactical mistakes here (laughs) (laughs) lessons for future evolutions Come on. Always bring your mob. So they blow up the train or the, mm-hmm. the, the door and it causes this avalanche and the train gets fucked up and just most people die. Mm-hmm. And then we have the emergence. So it looks from this, it looks like only Yona and Timmy survive. Yeah. That's, at least from what we see. Yeah. That's all we're shown. Yeah. Yona checks on Curtis and on Nam and they're both dead or at least unconscious mm-hmm. and unstirring. Yeah. Yona and Timmy in their parkas. They come out into the wilderness, tribunes of the most lethal species on the planet, because they are not the ones personally, but humans were the ones who <laughs> made everything like this. <laughs> yeah, right. And then they see a fucking polar bear who's like, mm, new, new meat to eat, probably. <laughs> 
Baby Stacy. Who's best. also like, thanks. Thanks for making the whole world mine. <laughs> it's been a pretty cool time for me. It's actually friends. an intelligent polar bear because they've made that <laughs> leap now. <laughs> yes. So yeah, there's a slim chance for Timmy and Yona. And I was wondering, like, maybe our path forward after a successful revolution might not be that bad, but I hope it's not that bad. It uh maybe, you know, also tenuous and looks scary and like what are we gonna do, you know? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm pretty I ended it pretty worried about them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean there may be other survivors there. I don't know if they're going to survive. Hopefully there are more, you know, people for them to meet up with or something. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, I mean they they won't they'll survive, I guess, maybe. <laughs> otherwise the next movie's about polar bears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So and that's where they that's where they ended. Yeah, that was crazy. Almost everyone died. Almost everyone died. The end. All right. So what are your thoughts overall on this? I really liked it. If you recall, last week I immediately (laughs) texted you when I was through in all caps, like, holy shit, that was good. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I thought it was really good. I really liked the class arguments behind it. I, I think I think we've brought up the times where those don't quite sit right, you know, like some of the discrepancies in there, like, you know, the prisoners and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Just like, hey, that that maybe you could have done differently. Yeah. But like, I think overall, though, it is a really good microcosm of, of capitalism. Yeah, for real. I think it's a really good critique, you know, of capitalism mm-hmm. and its and its relationship with or kind of like being mingled up with fascism mm-hmm. and how fascism is just a defense of capitalism. It's just capitalism, but brought into a world where you have this scary outside force that you've got to constantly be on guard against yeah yeah so i think it does good there i I think it does have some good class points to make but i agree with you that like i don't know bong joon ho is not like a revolutionary strategist or anything so he's (laughs) not expected to make every clear good tactical decision and honestly to tell the story it may have been better for them to make those mistakes to kind of tragically fall fall short or have to make this radical departure from what they were trying to do you know yeah, and like obviously not every revolution is perfect. Like that's that's pretty true. Yeah. <laughs> so Yeah, I I think again I keep coming back to the labor question just because it's like I understand that they keep those people I mean, apparently now it's just for child labor, but mm-hmm. I'm still kind of confused as to why they bother with the tail section at all. I would wonder why they would keep old people there. I mean, they should just kill them. Right? You would think. Like these people they they're fucking depraved af so like they you'd think they would just slaughter people that aren't useful to them yeah i mean maybe just to keep the peace to keep it all working i don't know Uh, to have violinists everyone (laughs) you know you do (laughs) it's not just reproduction but also any little niche you need filled that's true and they they honestly they probably will start as they as they raise generations in the tail section that are not skilled and that are not taught in any way they would probably have started to just kill people off because those people aren't really useful. Like right now they're still yeah. working with people who played in the Boston symphony who mm-hmm. had all these skills. They're, they're only 17 years in or 18 years by that point. But if Edgar had stuck around, it's like, what is Edgar going to yeah, do? What the hell is like, Edgar good at? You know, a train baby. Yeah. They're not, they don't yeah. have any real skills or uses for the ruling class. And so then they would truly be expendable. Unless some of your some of your more clawed leaning psychos in the front want you know get into like like cage fights with people or something I don't know you know you could use them for <laughs> entertainment I guess yeah well 
I think it does a good job of like kind of painting a picture of eco-fascism too, mm-hmm. like the way they talk about culling the population and the yeah. fish and stuff like that. And then I think that also kind of goes hand in hand with fascism and its relationship to like eugenics. Like that's the thing people jump onto real quick, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I could easily see them, and especially when they say things like everyone has their place and like everyone, like it's this the innate culture kind of thing, like the innate chaos or something, you know, like when he's saying like, look at these people, they're inherently bad, you know? Yeah. And honestly, in their system, you you wonder another reason why they may keep the tail section around. The tail section plays its role too as the other, as the enemy that has mobilized the rest of the train to to agree to work in its stations in life. That's true, because they do have all those people in the middle, like the, the tech nerds, the dentists, the tailors, whatever. They know that, one, if they fuck up and do something wrong, they're, they're going to get head to the tail section. Mm-hmm. And two, they need the tail section, because otherwise that they'll... Th- then what are they? Then they're the bottom of the train. Yeah, and the whole thing is built to keep that chaos of the tail section at bay, right? And keep them from fucking everything up, from messing up the engine, and then we all die, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. They serve a purpose, I guess, being the enemy. Yeah, I think that makes sense. But yeah, man, I, I love this film too. It's great. Yeah, it was very Check good. Check it out. It's on Netflix. <laughs> now that you've heard the whole plot. <laughs> yeah, uh, watch it again, but now from a class perspective, be like, oh yeah, Fuck yeah. I never saw that before. <laughs> <laughs> What do you want to do next time? Next time I want to do a reading. From 1 Corinthians? A reading from 1 Corinthians in, <laughs> what is it? Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. Yeah, one of those. Uh, no, I want to do a reading from our man Engels. Oh, okay. Friedrich Engels. Marx's bestie. Yeah. So we're going to read um, a short, you can, it's sometimes called a short book or a pamphlet uh, by Frederick Engels called Socialism, Utopian, and Scientific. Okay. You can find this on Marxists.org yeah. for free. Yeah. So do that. That's the best way to get things as a socialist or a communist is free. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a, it's, so it's meant to be kind of a distillation or a shortened like summary of capital, basically. Mm-hmm. Like the book? Yeah. So... Karl Marx's huge work called Capital is like multi-volumes and everything. And Engels oh kind of talked to him and was like, dude, nobody's going to read that in the working <laughs> class. Uh, so it's going to, you know, he said, it'd be a very good thing if you yourself wrote a small popular explanatory pamphlet. Basically saying, if you don't, someone else will and it'll be shit. Uh, okay. So he wrote this big nerd book and his friend was like, and nobody's going to read that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Marx is like, I don't, I don't want to. You do it. <laughs> but anyway... If you want to do the reading ahead of time, like we said, check it out on Marxist.org. And we'll be, you know, posting our notes and everything so you can follow along with those if you're on the Patreon. Spoiler, my notes is mostly just writing question marks in the margins. (laughs) It's been slow going. (laughs) Yeah, my notes will be exhaustive, I'm sure. Okay, good. (laughs) (laughs) All right, cool. Well, that'll be a fun Christmas reading. Yeah, we'll sit by the fireplace. Get the Yuletide logs going. Hell yeah. The logs of limbs of the capitalists we slain. Hell yeah. Parody. Parody redacted. (laughs) Parody, parody, parody. (laughs) All right. On that note, thanks for talking about this movie with me. 
hell yeah this was fun uh you're welcome for the recommendation uh <laughs> dude yeah is, i'm gonna probably tell everyone i know to watch this movie now <laughs> be really annoying They're about gonna it be like is this new no it's from 2015 <laughs> but it's great <laughs> yeah for real you can find us on twitter at teach communism instagram at teach me communism you can send us an email teach me communism at gmail.com if you want to send us Another movie suggestion that you're into that has good leftist themes. Don't just send us like Aladdin, even though I love Aladdin. Um, I guess he's like poor. You were born a street rat. You will die a street (laughs) rat. And only your fleas will mourn you. Everyone's got (laughs) a preordained position. Some class. Yeah, yeah, some class arguments there. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, if you want to send us a suggestion for an episode topic or question, we could probably do another mailbag in a couple weeks. I don't know. And... Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That is a really helpful way to make sure people find the show. So rate and review on there. We are also on YouTube. If that's your preferred listening method, just give us a search there. And finally, we are on Patreon. Patreon.com slash teachmecommunism. For $5 a month, you will get access to our cool notes about each episode. They're very cool. You can see how many times I wrote OMG for this (laughs) episode it was a lot (laughs) i'll just go ahead and tell you half of my notes start with omg all right thanks again to all you lovely listeners out there for joining us yeah you guys are cool you guys are great and you can join us next week on another episode of teach me communism where the class struggle is always in session bye bye